Hi, wrestling fans. Welcome to a very special edition of WPOV Quarantine. It's just like an after-school after edition involving <laughs> drugs and whatever other kinds of things. It's a very special, intimate, almost unplugged, you'd say. Well, no, I guess we're on a computer. Screw all that. Welcome to another edition of WPOV Quarantine. <laughs> unplugged. <laughs> I'm your host, the legend T. James Logan. With me today are, this guy's almost a co-host. He's been on so many episodes. We're talking about uh, the lone wolf, Andy Anderson. And a guy who probably has talked one-tenth the amount of Andy, but been on more shows, Elio Canella. <laughs> What's going on? Less Elio is more with Elio. <laughs> yeah, less is more, exactly. <laughs> you keep telling women that. It'll, some of them will believe that. All right. <laughs> I keep searching. I keep searching. <laughs> I'm married. It worked for me. <laughs> of course, she has her lawyer. <laughs> Anyways, let's not get into it. <laughs> Today, you know, we've been talking all sorts of different kind of uh, topics. Today's topic, I found a very interesting one because in today's flashy world of wrestling, it's almost a weird thing. And yet, I don't know, it's a confusing thing. And we're going to talk about mat wrestling and grapplers because all through history, 95% of wrestlers may be flashy, uh, you know, crazy guys with the crazy moves, but there's always that one dude who comes in and just does this amazing grappling. And yet, we always talk about how grappling's boring, nobody wants to watch it. I believe it's no longer an Olympic sport, is it? Did they not remove it from the Olympics? Uh, or they were going to. Matt Wrestling is going to be removed because wow. they feel that not enough people uh, care or watch about it. Um, yeah, so, you know, Matt Wrestling, oh, first of all, Andy, Yep. You've been around a couple of years. A couple of years. Um, you must have come across a few guys who do the whole straight up mat wrestling shtick. The the what do they call those guys? The technical wizardries. The technical wizards. The catch as catch can style. Uh, over the years, yeah, I, I think it's. I think it has its place if it's done properly and it can still, you know, help tell a story or an advance a story. Mm -hmm. But often, I find you get. Uh, guys that may not really truly get the business or understand the business and they just want to go out there and, and do it and kind of, you know, show off. And it's like, okay, but if you're not telling the story, if you're not, you know, putting a little more oomph or pizzazz into it, uh, mm -hmm. it's just, it's not going to catch on. Now there, it always seems there's always one guy in every wrestling territory or company who's the one technical wizard, right? And yet, they never, it's sort of a weird thing. I find this, maybe you can explain to me, Andy. People say, I'm tired of mat wrestling. I don't watch wrestling for that. I mean, and as I've said, people, if you look up at the Olympics, they were trying to remove uh, Olympic wrestling from uh, the Olympics because saying mat wrestling is boring. Um, and yet, one of the most popular uh, wrestlers right now is a guy like Timothy Thatcher, who is 100% a grappling machine. Right. So... Why do we hate it and love it at the same time? Well, like, seriously, isn't that yeah, what it seems no, like? It almost seems crazy. You know, it, it might even kind of go back to the, the point that I was just making is that uh, if it's not done well, if it's not presented well, people are going to crap on it. Uh, if it's not done well enough or presented well enough as part of the professional wrestling entertainment package, mm -hmm. then, you know, it might not pick up might not catch on uh you know you talk timothy thatcher i mean you know for a lot of people if you want to talk kurt angle mm -hmm. uh i mean you know you, you you hear stories about how quick 
Kurt picked up on it and how he was able to, yeah. And he was able to incorporate the, like all the mat wrestling, the technical wrestling, the amateur wrestling style and, and blend it so well with the pro wrestling style that, you know, people want to see that they, they, it's like, you know, I say like use a Canadian reference. It's, it's like watching Wayne Gretzky or Connor McDavid or Mario Lemieux, you know, like it, it's, it's so awesome to see the, the skill that's just above and beyond mm-hmm. that, you know, that, that people want to see it. But if it's not, I don't think if it's not at that level, mm-hmm. you know, it can't look crisp enough. If it can't look sharp enough, it can't look realistic shoot enough. Yeah. yeah. Realistic enough. Then, yeah. You know, then, and, and it's, yeah. Nah, that, now, do you think it's a time, do you think it's a thing of the ages? Like, do you think it has certain more oomph in certain time periods? And I just want to say the example is if we trace back to wrestling as an exhibition sport, we of course can go to the turn of the century where we had, uh, who's that guy, Stanislav Zabisco, fighting yeah. one hour matches. Stanislav wow. Fighting one hour matches, which if you had actually watched these matches, me, people would tell you it was, and okay, people would tell you it was like a headlock for an hour or a grappling move for an hour before someone slipped. Now, the weird thing is if something happened like that today, five minutes into this, people would be shitting all over it anywhere in wrestling today. You give it five minutes? Yeah, five (laughs) minutes in a hold, one hold in a five minute thing. People are shitting on it everywhere. It doesn't matter who you are. But 100 years ago or 110, 120 years ago, when this match has happened, hundreds of people stood there for an hour and watched this. So is this the idea of the grappler and the evolution of it? I'm wondering, is it a thing that evolves and changes as we people evolve and change why why 120 years ago would we stand for an hour and watch a guy in a, in a headlock which we call a rest hold by the way these days um, <laughs> but have you thought of that like am i just throwing spitballing this out there but what, what what do you think is the attraction then is it because it was all new was it because it was That's, two men actually fighting was it yeah but I mean, you know, in previous previous uh, podcasts, I've discussed about the evolution of the business and the evolution mm-hmm. of society, and and I think that you know, again, that lends itself well because you could talk about just about anything, like comparing a hundred years ago <laughs> to today, and chances are it's grown, it's evolved, it's changed from from what it once was, and and wrestling in that sense is no different. I mean, you know, thirty, you know, we, well, we're AWA guys, so you could talk about how yep. back in the early '80s. You know, mm-hmm. guys were winning matches with sunset flips. Guys were, you know, Greg Gagne and Jim Brunzel were winning matches with drop kicks. Yes, I was going to say the drop kick was a demonstration. Yeah, you know, and, it's, and, and then, you know, you fast forward and Kenny Casanova's not here, but we talk about Vader bringing in a power bomb and breaking guys' backs or breaking guys' mm-hmm. necks. And now, you know, you're seeing a plethora of power bombs in a match. Okay. A so, hundred years ago, that's what people knew that's what they were exposed to. And I think just as time grew on and society grew on, it's like, okay, well, there's more to it than just a headlock. There's more to it than, you know, just a leg lock. I think having said that, and, and it's rare, but I think if you have the, the right audience and mm-hmm. especially if you have the right, uh, we'll say the right players involved mm-hmm. that can make that believability that can tell that story, uh, I'd say, you know what, they probably could work a hold for five, 10 minutes and the people, you know, would buy it. Okay. But 
but but it's but but that's more of the exception rather than the rule these days. So that's a bit of an aberration in the whole yeah. idea. Yeah. Because I was gonna say that being said, I mean today I can turn on my television, I can watch uh, the Young Bucks, and I'm not crapping on the Young Bucks. They what they do a lot of cool and, and interesting stuff. But I could turn on a match where they've done like you know 25 super kicks. They're doing triple somersaults off the top rope. They're running, doing all these crazy things. But I can also, that same night, turn the channel and watch Timothy Thatcher wrestle for five minutes using basic brutal holds, and people are eating it up just as much. Yep. So does that mean, is it people, like people who come along and, and, and do the style great, is it because, are they the pullback in for reality? Because, I mean, let's face it, we watch a Young Bucks match, and you kind of have to take yourself out of reality because we Suspend don't get a disbelief. Kick. Yeah. You know, we know you can get kicked once or twice, but getting 25 kicks in the face, yeah. there's no way you should be alive. So does some of it as a wrestling fan, do we, do we give more credence to these guys who do these kind of more realistic things? Cause it builds our psyche back into wrestling can be real. Cause I'm, that's what the, I'm not going to lie as a wrestling yeah. fan. I've always had to pretend in my head or entertain in my own thoughts that, the the reality of what it could be right. without being very real yes um well even kind of using your comparison and i think recently on uh on social media and twitter or something like that so, you know it's kind of talking about how uh like some of the nxt guys or you know the young bucks compared to someone like randy orton and you know and orton's been talking about kind of like more like the old school style where it's like these nxt guys they go do so much stuff but it you know it, it looks flashy it looks good. It's impressive. You get that quick pop, but it doesn't really tell the story. Yeah. No, I should, there's, there's a story, you know, there's stories to be told, but not in the same vein as in the same light as a more traditional style wrestling match. And, and I think, again, I, I go back to evolution of society, evolution mm -hmm. of wrestling. Um, you know, whether you go back 30, 40 years ago, whether you go back a hundred years ago, there was a lot less wrestling and you know what you were what we were as an audience were exposed to mm -hmm. now in 2020 through the magic of the internet you know you can see stuff from japan you can see stuff from mexico you can see a hundred you know 200 different independent promotions that are mm -hmm. showing us so much more so all of a sudden where at one point it was like okay well we were either wwf fans nwa awa you know or if you were a tape trader maybe japan or something like that so the bulk, the bulk of the fans, there was like three or four kind of organizations or, you know, mm -hmm. categories that you could kind of latch onto. And if you saw anything else, it was kind of like a fringe thing, similar to music. But nowadays it's because it's so much more diverse and there's, mm -hmm. you have access to so much more, there's more, uh, there's, there's a bigger variety of wrestling fans. And I think that's even part of the reason why, the numbers for, for TV, not just because, okay, storylines aren't great, characters aren't, whatever. But now there's just so much more competition, whether it's for professional wrestling or if you ed your entertainment dollar, mm -hmm. that it's like you're saying, okay, well, there's going to be fans that love the Young Bucks style, the, you know, boom, 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 you know, half a match of finishers. But then you're still going to be the fans of, and I'll, I'll use Orton, as an example where it's like okay it's it's the slower more methodical uh more believable mm -hmm. uh storytelling between the two it's it's funny and i want to throw the one you made me think of one hilarious thing okay and that is randy orton okay and i what i want to bring up is 
Do you guys remember how a couple months ago he went on Twitter and he was making fun of the NXT guys about uh, slapping their thighs when doing moves? Yep. Yet he does the most slappiest thigh kick every time he does his punt kick. You always <laughs> see him slap his thigh. So it was just like the most hypocritical, ridiculous comment Hot I've ever seen. Black. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, so I just I always find that super funny when I do get I do get some people who who you latch onto a certain thing and you can't lock like. I go either way. Like, you know what? When I go see a live show, goddamn, it's it's incredible to see people doing those crazy ass in front of you off the things. You're like, oh my God, right? On TV, it does seem to take a bit of the luster away because, you know, then it could easily be like a movie, right? But I get where it has in the thing. And I also am the guy who loves the slow methodical matches. I, I guess I just, I kind of like it all. I, I mean, sometimes comedy can be a bit much for me, but even then I can get into it. Yep. But uh, you're right. Uh, and I love that example you use because uh, I, 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 was, I was trying to think of an analogy that popped in my head. And it would be like, say, like 50 years ago, you liked uh, strawberry jam. So you had a choice between strawberry jam or marmalade. Yeah. Well, now you've got like 20 different varieties of strawberries. Exactly. 14 different kinds of oranges. And don't forget the hybrid orange strawberry mix. And oh, wait, do we talk about grape and all the other flavors? Yep. You're right. It's uh, There is such a, a wealth of wrestling. And I, I just here's another thing we're going to look at right now. And we are talking about grappling wrestling and I guess as AWA guys, we got to talk about the style that Vern Gagne used. Okay. A very distinct grappling style, which has fallen in and out of favor over the years. And it's almost the style that I would say, Timothy Thatcher kind of actually capitalizes more on that kind of grappling than the stuff that I'm going to say, like the dynamite kid and other British wrestlers, which is right. a whole different kind. And we're going to, I want to talk about the two different styles of main grappling right now, because right now we could compare, I mean, back then we could put you know, we could say like Vern Gagne versus dynamite kid style. Yeah. Or today we could say Timothy Thatcher versus uh, Zack Sabre Jr. Right. Both of them represent distinct styles. Now, yeah. first of all, let's talk about Vern's style. Now, obviously, its roots come out. He was an Olympic uh, competitor. Yeah. I don't know if he actually competed in the actual Olympics. I think there was some kind of story where uh, something happened and he was an alternate on one of the teams and he didn't actually compete okay. in the Olympics, but he was on the Olympic team. So um, his style is very much... How would, how would you describe that style if you had to, to describe to somebody, I'm a new person coming in, turning on wrestling, Vern Gagne style grappling wrestling. What am I seeing? You're seeing more of like the, the basic amateur wrestling that, you know, that you kind of see like out of like, if you're going to high school or university style, more along, more along the, uh, those lines. And, you know, and as you talk about Vern, it's, you know, you see how you had, you know, he had Brad Reagans in mm -hmm. there. Uh, he trained, uh, some uh, guy from Iran named Khosrow Vizier. Yeah, will, I don't ever happened to him, but uh, kind of cheeky, sort of <laughs> irony. Yeah, okay. the irony but, of it. But it, it was more, like more that that Olympic style, yeah. kind of with the grappling and, and the holds. Um, very, I, to me, like a lot of that kind of amateur wrestling, Greco-Roman. Yep. It's yeah, like a very meat and potatoes style of amateur wrestling compared to say like the uh, the British style mm -hmm. that to me. There is, you know, a little more, and, and not to say this to discredit, but yeah, a little more flair, a little more show to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny too, because I, I think one of the distinctions uh, that has to be made is definitely as flash, as non-flashy as uh, Vern Gagne style was, 
in its base form, it's extremely rugged. It's extremely taxing on your body. The reason there's a reason why you watch uh, Matt wrestling and the matches only go like, you know, X amount of seconds because you're throwing your whole body into this. Absolutely. But then the British style kind of takes that and kind of steps back a bit and throws a bunch of flair around it where to be honest, it looks a lot scarier but i i as a wrestler you could probably tell tell me this it's probably a lot easier to 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 do these matches with these guys because uh i've heard people say that people said about zach saber jr you watch some of his matches and and if you don't know a lot you're like holy crap he's just hurting these guys right and every wrestler who's ever wrestled said i would wrestle that dude every freaking day it's just lay back and let him like you know move around on me (laughs) well and i mean and and i and i've heard that too with uh you know, with kind of the, the, the more of the, the North American kind of the amateur style there. Uh, but even, you know, like I said, if you're talking like Timothy, Tha- Timothy Thatcher, Zach Sabre, uh, you know, even like guys like to William Regal, some of those guys where uh, like Dave Taylor, Norman Smiley, it's like you'd hear the stories like you don't even have to do anything. It, it's, it's like the working, you know, working with the, uh, the, the proverbial broomstick. Yes. That these guys will go around and they'll twist you, they'll move you, they'll bend you, they'll yep. set you up. They'll, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a thing of beauty when it's, when it's done properly and done well. Now, before we get into the people who you think are some of the all-time greats at this, can you tell me personally a wrestler you've wrestled who to you was like, man, this guy is really doing this style really awesome. Is there somebody you can personally pull out? You must have come across some grappler along the ways. I, I would have to. Do you want me to let you come back to that? Let you think about it in the back well, of the you show? Well, you know, like, off the top of my head, but it was actually, yeah. see, but it, it, what's funny, and I can, uh, you know, an interesting kind of short story on this, though. Um, I had the opportunity to wrestle in England for several months back in 2003, 2004, 2003. Mm-hmm. Um, awesome experience. Uh, my roommate at the guy, my roommate at the time was a guy named Daniel, 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 Brian Danielson. Uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I've heard of that dude. I'm, I'm going between like the shoot name and the work yeah, name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure whatever happened to him, but, uh, but he was a guy that, you know, was able to kind of do that. And even some of the English guys there, um, uh, uh, Frankie Sloan. Um, oh shoot. There's another one that's, he's one of the trainers now. Uh, Robbie Brookside. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, you've been in the ring with some of, you know, with, with some of those guys and it, it's, it, you know, it's like, it's like I said, you could just stand there and all of a sudden you could be put in a hold. All of a sudden you could have a guy in a hold. <laughs> all I did was blink. What happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, what I found interesting and, and you know, we, we talk about, about, you know, styles and as things evolve and, and <laughs> the exposure worldwide. Uh, when I was there again, this was around 2003 uh, talking with with guys like like uh, Frankie Sloan, uh, Robbie Brookside, and, and some of the other English guys, was that a lot of the new guys, the young guys that were coming up uh, through the British system, they were watching, you know, they were getting whatever Sky Network, or whatever. Yeah. They were getting Monday Night Raw. They were getting all these shows, and these guys were getting away more from like the British style of wrestling and they want to do more like the high spots, more of the WWE style. <laughs> yeah. And it's like trying to tell these guys, it's like, look like guys, like what you have here is something special, something different mm-hmm. than on a global, you know, maybe locally might not seem different, but on a global scale, it's like, you know, like 
try and master this craft and then and then incorporate the north american style mm -hmm. and and you know and you can be even you know and that's and that's where you you see like the zach sabers mm -hmm. uh timothy thatcher daniel bryan where the guys have taken that style they're taking the north american style you know a little bit of everything and that's why some of their they're some of the best and most entertaining to watch mm -hmm. definitely definitely now let's let, let's face one thing too i guess uh Maybe one of the reasons it's not ever really going to be an upper echelon thing is because it doesn't favor overly large men, the grappling style. I mean, we've learned, uh, I mean, there's millions of stories of Kurt Angle taking down humongously large guys and just yeah. in wrestling things for real. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, uh, the bigger you are, the muscular you get, you look great, but the rigors of actually trying to stretch someone or being actually stretched with muscles that big usually is a detriment. Yeah. Um, I mean, I want to say a good example today. You look at Vern Gagne at his uh, prime. Okay. And that dude was on, there was a time they said it, that he was the most watched wrestler one year on television. Like he, uh, the, some, uh, I can't remember the exact details. It was some uh, network, DuPont network or something owned okay. his wrestling show. And more people across the U.S. every Saturday night saw Vern Gagne more than any other wrestler in the entire world. And he was a star. You know, he did stuff that made people cheer and root. And you looked at him. But let's face it. If Vern Gagne at his prime was put into wrestling today with his same look, his same build, his same stuff... How long would Vern Gagne last in today's wrestling world? As as is, yeah, probably not too long. Probably not too long. Yeah. And once again, part of that is a, uh, you know, and that's an interesting thing because Vern was always insistent on wrestling. Yeah. You know, uh, watching AWA, I mean, I remember loving AWA, but also being a little frustrated near the end of it that it wasn't, I even, even as a teenager, I knew it wasn't modernizing itself and keeping up that it was starting to become something old for older something people. Dated. Yeah. You know, as a young, you know, as a 15 year old, it's hard to watch something that you think my grandfather should be watching. And it started to get a little bit like that at times in AWA. And that was of course, because Vern always put, you know, he would rather put Brad Reagan's in the main event than Hulk Hogan. Yeah. And he did at times. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <Why>? Because <laughs> because it it's was wrestling. The core of yeah. what he wrestling was. was on the marquee. It was old wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, and it's what he was. Yeah. I mean, he he grew up his whole career, life, and and business around what his ideal was. And I'm sorry, but if you spend your whole life like that, and when somebody else comes with something new, you're not dropping your whole life. To to latch yeah. on to the new thing. I think when WBF started picking up, uh, that's when it started going down. You know, like one yeah. of the most infamous funny stories in the world has to be uh, Vern losing Hulk Hogan, you know? Yeah. And most people, uh, you know, the conclusive story of why Vince McMahon got in there and got into Hogan was the fact that Vern Gagne refused to let Hulk Hogan sell his own T-shirts, that he wanted a cut of, Ver of his T-shirts while still not really putting him in the main event yeah, and having him to lose to Bockwinkle constantly. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you could see his, you could see the frustrations of both men because they're looking at things through totally different lenses. Yeah. So we see that style, but 
all of a sudden I want to point, I'm sure there's other people who are going to swoop in and say, you know what, you guys are wrong. We should be talking about this wrestler bringing this in. But because we're Western Canadians, our first exposure to the British style of uh, this kind of grappling has to be the Dynamite Kid. Yeah, through Stampede. Yeah, and a lot of people who don't know Stampede enough are going to think we're insane because they're going to only know uh, Dynamite Kid as this brawling, you know, big heavy dude who did all these crazy crazy flying things. But that wasn't just him. And uh, talk talk a little bit, Andy, what you remember about the grappling mat wrestling version. Of Dynamite. Dynamite. Well, unfortunately, by the time I got to start watching Stampede, uh, Dynamite had already been, had already moved on to WWF. Mm-hmm. So I didn't get to, you know, it wasn't until uh, later as I became, you know, more of a student, more of a tape mm-hmm. watcher and to kind of see, you know, the earlier style. And um, even then, like he was kind of ahead of his time for what he was doing mm-hmm. and, you know, a little more of the British style um, but I mean, there was, you know, you fast forward to kind of like 85, 86 and I'm going to kind of shift from dynamite just cause I mean, I didn't get to see as much, mm-hmm. but somebody like Owen Hart and we, we, we both discussed kind of in the past yeah. Owen Hart and, and he was a good mix of kind of like the, the amateur style and the British style. Mm-hmm. But he was able to weave it in a way that you know the believability factor was there the uh he had the stake and he had the sizzle yes and i think you know that's one of those and again that's one of the things we talked about where if the, if someone's going to be doing the mat wrestling the technical wrestling whatever you want to call it uh that little bit of sizzle whether it's within the moves itself or uh the character that's presenting it or both mm-hmm. th- there needs to be something otherwise if it's just straight mat wrestling then then it's like you know, you know, if you're talking about the Olympics, getting rid of the amateur wrestling, mm-hmm. it's it just, unfortunately, I mean, to, to watch it. And, and this is even, I'm kind of going sidetracked here, just kind of thinking of what you said earlier, but with a lot of the, the amateur wrestling, the British style, the mat style wrestling, um, you know, there's, there's a very slow methodical story that can be told like a chess match. Mm-hmm. And, especially for nowadays for, for TV viewers and society where it's whatever it is, 90 seconds, 187 characters, you know, entertain me or I'm gone. You know, if someone flips and as you've alluded to, it's like, Oh, well, someone's got a rest hold. Oh, I'm going to flip it. Cause that's boring. Mm-hmm. And that's why with most of the TV matches, you very rarely see rest holds because mm-hmm. rest holds equals oh, I'm going to change the channel. Yep. At a house show, it's different. And I think that's why a lot of times people enjoy the house shows more, the matches more, because the people, the, the, the talent can interact with the crowd more, but also they can tell the stories more and the crowd can get more involved because then we know, well, you put a chin lock on somebody, you put a sleeper hold on somebody, you put a leg lock on somebody. And if it's done right, the fans are going to start to get behind. Then we start to build up. Everybody's getting involved. The emotions are running. But if it's just straight mat wrestling, ho-hum, ho-hum, yeah, exactly. Now, it's funny, you know, I brought up uh, Dynamite Kid. Yes, sorry. And, um, I... <laughs> no, 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 it's cool. No, what I was going to say, the reason I brought him up, and, and, and it's funny because, you, you know, you caught the very end and you heard some stuff and you would go back and you see some tapes and see stuff. Yeah. Now, the reason I brought him up was because there was, you could go to any wrestler in uh, circa 1981, 82, 83, and they will tell you that there was no bigger star than Dynamite Kid. 
Bret Hart, Owen Hart, any of those guys that you consider uh, big wrestling legends will tell you, no, this guy was the yeah. shit, right? And the thing is, he brought, he was, the reason I brought him up is because he started that style in the beginning. And obviously he evolved too. We didn't see a lot of it near the end of his career. And uh, the reason I say that is what we've alluded to before. He just got too big. Yeah. You know, it's really hard to do those believe that believability wrestling when you are that freaking big, you know, but he was definitely one of the first guys to really not only show it. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of wrestlers who brought in the British style before. I mean, right. Billy Robinson was trying to do it, Yes. but Billy Robinson had nowhere the cred street cred that dynamite kid did, you know, and dynamite kid was a star that people looked at and emulated. So when he brought in that kind of style, people started emulating it and it started becoming become something a little more acceptable. And uh, I, I know it's, it's, this is a hard one fans because you can find some dynamite kid stuff. It's a it's a, it's a, it's a trudge through YouTube, but there's stuff out there. Unfortunately, because of that time era, there isn't easy for us, like for some of these modern wrestlers where we could just tell you what tapes to go look at or <laughs> what videos and stuff, but no, uh, it is a trudge. It's a tough one, but it's out there. Now, we find along the way that that style works and there comes to a point though, where that style doesn't work. Okay. And I'm going to say probably in my estimation, I would say from 1990 to probably 2005, if you strictly tried to do that style, North American audiences did not give a crap about you. They didn't, which meant that you had to hybrid your style. And one of the people who I really uh, think was a great hybrid of this was William Regal. Yes. He managed to take not only that style, but incorporate a heck of a lot of North American style into it, where he had his own kind of style almost, where you couldn't quite say it was British, you couldn't quite say it was North American, <laughs> but it sure looked like it hurt. Yeah. <laughs> William Regal. Guys, here's a guy who had a, like we said, a very unique style. First of all, Elio. You yep. used to watch some William Regal stuff. What stuck out in your mind about William Regal? Uh, he he had a, yeah, I really enjoyed his style. Uh, one match that really stands out mm -hmm. was uh, because I saw more of his uh, WCW matches, mm -hmm. but one match that really stands out is his feud with the Belfast Bruiser. Belfast Bruiser? I don't even remember that. Wow. Finley. Okay. Finley. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Finley. Okay. Yeah. I don't even remember that match in WCW. Yeah, they, they, they had. I'm sure I've seen it, though. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Andy? I know Ellie uh, over there just gave this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't see, for me, I mean, you know, it, uh, uh, some of the matches I like to talk about probably shouldn't talk about, but um, with me, with William Regal, Mm -hmm. I don't ever remember him having a bad match. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember all his matches being very entertaining. So mm -hmm. to me to say that they're entertaining is that, as you said, like for him to incorporate several styles and kind of make it his own made it so awesome. And, um, but he, again, here's one of the things that I've talked about previously that, that Regal did so well. Regal has some of the best facial expressions in the business. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so for him to sell a move, to sell a response to, you know, a character's mannerism, a shtick, whatever, you know, that only added to or heightened to what he did. And, you know, he could kind of, you know, be comedy one moment 
and, and then, you know, he could be throwing in some of those snug forearms. He could be twisting you around with your, you know, with wrist locks up the yin yang. And he always uh, had his brass knuckles. Yeah, the brass, he had the brass knuckles. Yep. But, uh, but again, everything he brought, it wasn't just, as far as the, the mat wrestling went, the technical wrestling, it wasn't just that. It was so much more. And even when he went into that, what he did was believable. Mm-hmm. And what he did was entertaining because as he was doing it, you know, he would outsmart somebody. And then there's that facial expression, the, the, the pompous British whatever. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, something would get reversed. And all of a sudden, there's that sneer and just like, <laughs> but, you see, but you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Yeah. I mean, you know, that's where, you know, even talking to that, where a lot of the, the amateur wrestling, mat wrestling stuff, guys are so worried about what they're doing next, you know, and, and, and in a real amateur wrestling matchup, mm-hmm. as they should be. But in the realm of professional wrestling, that entertainment factor has to be there. So whether you're thinking about what you're doing next as you're going into a hold as you're selling a hold you know you need to be connecting with the people and regal is one of the best for it and i think that's why we talk about them now we brought up somebody else um and i you know what this may be unpopular opinion with you guys or maybe you think it's you see it too but you know remember he used to uh, also have that guy dave taylor dave taylor yeah dave, yep. dave taylor did a lot of the same type of stuff and yet I never bought, enjoyed, or liked Dave Taylor. I think, in my mind, he didn't accomplish anything. And I know a lot of people will disagree with that. But is it because, do you think, he just wasn't up to snuff with William Regal? Or just, William Regal was just that good? Like, or am I just missing the boat? I, I, just, think, I, I, the I, boat. I just think William Regal was uh, better than Dave Taylor. Like, well, yeah, I'm not. There's no disputing yeah. that. Yeah. But I'm just feeling like Dave Taylor was almost like a useless add-on to me. Yeah. When I used to see him on WCW, it was Snorefest, turn the channel. Well, that's why, couldn't... like, William Regal connected more with the fans. I yeah, think. Mm-hmm. and I think that's a perfect example of, of what I was saying was that, you know, okay, well, is William Regal better? I don't know. You know what? Dave Taylor may have been a better wrestler, mm-hmm. but William Regal was the better entertainer and professional wrestler and that's mm-hmm. why we notice him more because it's you know you say well he was useless maybe if you're not paying attention i mean mm-hmm. he can be 10 times the matt wrestler technical wrestler that mm-hmm. uh william regal is but if you're you know if you're not paying attention mm-hmm. for whatever reason you're never gonna know but you bring up a, you bring up a great thing about professional wrestling i mean how many times have we been any in any organization there's the one guy who you know is just terrific, but just hasn't connected with the fans. Where you look and you go, why isn't that guy the main event guy? And sometimes you're the only guy who's saying that, you know? Yep. So, um, yeah. Um, look, there's Elio. Hi, Elio. Hi. And there's Andy. Hi, Andy. How's it going, bud? <laughs> okay, you go Guest to Guest appearance. Yeah. Bye, Dad. A run-in. There's a run-in by yeah, my run-in. son. Yeah, <laughs> run-in. Unprofessional run-in. He had to be brass microphone. <laughs> <A> brass microphone. <laughs> so, you know, um, wow, that's just like out of these, uh, this time on Zoom meetings. 
It's almost okay, like so Adam Pierce came and just grabbed you. And oh, just no. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right now, Adam Pierce's ears are burning. Like, why is my ears burning? I'm going to punch somebody. <laughs> oh, that's a story I don't really want to tell too many people. It's almost embarrassing. But, uh, yeah. Um, okay, so we have that. Uh, let's think of some other grapplers recently that have, you know, like you brought up Brian Danielson, who now is Daniel Bryan. Yeah. Um, but you know what? I grew up really watching lots of ROH. And I said Shane grew up because I was probably in my 20s or 30s by then. But I was watching lots of ROH. I used to buy the tapes a lot. Daniel Bryan was definitely a guy, or Brian Danielson, the, uh, what do you call himself? The Dragon. American Dragon. American, American Dragon. Dragon. Yeah. Which I always laughed about because it's one of the crappiest <laughs> movies out there. The American Dragon is terrible. It's like a ninja <laughs> thing. Anyhow, um, he would have these great, amazing matches that I would really enjoy. And I didn't know why I'd enjoy it because I was getting to that point where we'd seen wrestling was becoming super flash. You know, you, you've watched WCW, you've watched WWF. Everything's a quick blur. There's lots of things going on, blah, 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 blah. Then you turn on and I'm watching Brian Danielson do a, a 30 to 60 minute match and I'm watching it and I don't know why I'm watching it. I can't tell you why I'm watching it, but I do know I'm enjoying it and it's got, the ed got me on the edge of my seat. And the only thing I can think of is because the way he presented what he did and the way he carried himself fed into that fantasy belief of the realism of what wrestling could be. So I bought it because to me, I could almost say, you know, you know, I'm sounding like those old ladies. Well, you know, wrestling's fake, but that's one match. Oh, that's, that's real. A business for himself. That was a real one. Yeah. It was, all <laughs> boy, I sound terrible, but, uh, that's what he I You're got like a New Yorker, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we ain't gonna get on that. Uh, those guys. That was the best thing. Let's go look for Andy pretending uh, uh, doing his imitation of New Yorkers. Rick and Serrano the New Yorkers lose yes. their shit. <laughs> but uh so Brian Danielson, guys, who would have ever thought that what we saw there could ever even translate to what the WWE is? Because it was a long road for him to get there, yeah. but he did. He climbed the top of the mountain. And here's a guy who probably isn't all that much taller than Elio. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he went into the blind of giants, became the world champion. Andy, why did this work? Why did Brian Danielson, or Daniel Bryan, if you will, manage to take a style that WWE won't use, won't look at, manage to win people, and then manage to change? Because he you got to admit, he had to change some stuff in people's yep, perceptions absolutely, to, make absolutely. The w, to make his run in the WWE even, even a dream. Right person, right package, right presentation, uh, proper booking. A lot of times we talk about, uh, you know, when we talked about the Giants and the Monsters and, and how they're booked and how they're presented. If they're not booked or presented well, then it doesn't matter. They could be the greatest thing ever, but... And, you know, so, you know, so the internet with all his followers online following him over from ROH. Yeah. And that, that helped too. Uh, but again, not being the biggest guy and being able to utilize that style, make it work, make it believable within the realm of an unbelievable package or presentation. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, kind of like you said, it's like, People can watch wrestling and go, oh, yeah, he missed it by a mile. Oh, yeah, that's fake. But you watch, you know, you again, you watch these matches where uh, they may be, they may, I'm not going to say stiff, but they may be snug. Mm -hmm. um, oh, 
but that that's real though those holds are real that's mm-hmm. again just the the proper presentation and you got to be as much as we you know we joke about saying okay well some of these guys can work with the brooms that can make it look good that's fine because they can but when you have the right dance partner that can help sell it that can help counter it that can help tell that can help develop and tell the story using you know these moves these uh what do i want to say that, that you know using these things to to kind of tell the story they're telling Mm-hmm. It, it it goes above you know it goes above and beyond like it's 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 part of to me why and i think because because daniel see daniel bryan and brock lesnar worked and mm-hmm. each other right and that yep. and that was one of the and it's funny because you think about it for and i might go off on a little tangent here so i apologize but no you know with with brock lesnar and and i and i'm i'm a big brock lesnar fan for what he's done and how he's presented everything but some of his longest matches are were against the smaller guys against Daniel Bryan against AJ Styles uh you know like guys that could that could wrestle so it's using you know obviously they're booked as an underdog yeah but they what they can do wrestling wise uh it's believe you know there's enough believability they can pull it off well enough that uh, like a Jack and the Beanstalk thing. Well, okay. Well, he's, you know, working the way up the leg around the body. If he can get, you know, latch something onto the, the head or the neck, maybe he's got a chance. Maybe he's got a chance versus just a professional wrestler. That's doesn't have all those tools in his toolbox. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, well, Brock's going to kick his ass in five minutes. <laughs> um, I think one thing, this is a great uh, point here is I find it extremely annoying these days that actual real wrestlers, if you can really show a proficiency for wrestling, except for Daniel Bryan, you're relegated to a junior heavyweight. <laughs> I mean, Daniel Bryan could have easily been a junior heavyweight. That was his way. Yep. But not once did they ever actually present him as such. Yet you find all your best wrestlers in the WWE, at least, are junior heavyweights. Okay, fair. But I'll, I'll give you two points on that. Okay. One, as we talked about earlier, a lot again once you get into the bigger guys it's mm-hmm. that much more difficult and challenging yeah. for them to do it right again let's i mean let's use brock because we know mm-hmm. brock's got an amazing amateur background right but at six foot five and you know 270 pounds brock doesn't need to do that and he doesn't he no. rarely actually grabs exactly him. i mean can he throw on some holes out of, absolutely but he doesn't yeah. need that yeah. um so that, <laughs> yeah, no but but and, and like you said for a lot of the you know a lot of the bigger guys that we were saying earlier they're that's not their style and you know what really for what professional wrestling is you don't want to see big show you know throwing going into a bunch of chain wrestling you want to see him you know hulk smash i want to see big show do some chain wrestling <laughs> you know, so but i mean you know and, and they'll do it they'll you know you might get yeah. big show versus mark henry and they'll do a little bit just to show yeah. that they could do it the crowd mm-hmm. will pop because like oh they could do it but that's it. That's a little attraction. Yeah. The other, the other point I'll make to that is uh, using boxing as an example too, is more often than not, you know, it's the, the heavyweights might be the, the big draws, the main events, but it's usually the lightweights, the flyweights, all the lighter, smaller guys that have the more entertaining, the more vicious fights. I, I, I guess I get, I get that. And, and, and I even said along those lines too, I guess with what I was trying to get at, subtly uh, was I find it sad that if you are a true grappler 
and a true mat wrestler type, they make you forget that if you're a bigger guy. They, they don't let you show that. Here's a great example. Um, and and <laughs> have you been watching Raw at all, uh, Andy, the last couple of weeks? I've, I've on and off, so I mean, I can okay. try and... <laughs> Have you seen uh, this? What do they call that thing, Elio? Uh, the Shane McMahon Raw Underground? Raw Underground. Underground. Yes. And yet, for the first time ever, uh, Dolph, uh, Ziggler. Uh, Dolph Ziggler looks like a credible wrestler because yeah. he's actually doing stuff that he can really do. Yes. Instead of just this flashy, goofy character he plays, he's actually doing this kind of stuff. I just, I find it, I don't know, I guess sad because I think that there is room for why couldn't Dolph Ziggler been packaged as a flashy guy who could wrestle? I, I just find it sad that in the big leagues, it seems that the higher you get up on the card, unless you're a, a freak like Daniel Bryan, and I don't mean freaky, per, I just meant like yeah. a freak aberration yeah. of it, you're not presented in as a wrestler. You know, you, you have to forget your wrestling skills. Well, you play the role. That You play the role, but I mean, and that could yeah. be... Part of it could be the booking, could be the company. Part of it could be the wrestler. Mm -hmm. I mean, because at the end of the day, you know, it, it's basically like like a movie with characters. Yeah. And even though your acting chops might say, okay, well, I can do serious. Well, this role needs you to be a comedy actor. Mm -hmm. Okay, you sign the checks. I'm going to be a comedy actor. You know, Dolph Ziggler, tremendous, you know, tremendous wrestler at Kent University, I think. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. He has it. And, you know, when he needs to pull it out, I guess he can pull it out. But we need you to be that flashy, show-off dick guy. Who okay. sells? You signed it. It's with, it's absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if that's the role you need to be, that's the role you need to be. Okay. Look, Santino Morella. Look at Santino. Santino's accomplished judo. Santino's an accomplished wrestler. You would not and, know that. No, but exactly, right? Exactly, but yeah. We're, we're, you know, his biggest thing was comedy. Yes. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Uh, when we think of grapplers, uh, anyone want to throw a grappler out now before I get into any others? Anyone think of somebody who pops to mind that we should highlight as someone whose unique style that we haven't talked about yet? There we have it. I assume we're going to talk about Kurt at some point. Yes, of course. Okay. Kurt Angle's going to have to be on the top uh, of the list. Let's see. Who else is there? We talked about Dynamite. Uh, this is one of those situations where I'm sure if this was like two minutes later and I'm not thinking yeah. about it, I could give you a whole list of guys. Okay, I'll, I'll, Kurt, I'll throw Kurt Doug Henning. Williams. Kurt Henning? Kurt Henning. Okay. Sure. Um, okay, yeah. You know, he was a very accomplished uh, – he had a lot of wrestling accomplishments behind him. Uh, I don't think they presented him very much as a mat wrestler. What they did was more that hybrid. He was the technician, Yeah. which means he took stuff like suplexes and a lot of fantastical things and made them look very brutal and very – yeah, you know, I'm on the fence with this one. I love Kurt Henning. Don't get me wrong. He's one of my favorite all-time wrestlers. Yeah. I'm not sure if I would call him a grappler, if I would put him into this category. Right on the edge. What do you guys think? Sway me. Either way. <laughs> you know what? I'm tending to agree with what, what you're saying. It's, mm -hmm. And it's even what I said two minutes ago. I mean, you know, he's, he he's, does got, what he's, the, told. Yeah. he's got He's got the tools in the toolbox. But, I mean, if, someone, if someone's going to make you look like a million bucks, it's going to be Kurt Henning. Mm -hmm. and, and if that's the case, then chances are he can't be using those tools because then he's not doing his job because he will outshine you like a son of a gun. Yeah. I guess I saw him more, more from his start in WBF. Uh, I caught him at the end tail of his ADB run. 
Mm, yes. Even there. Well, you mean, well, did Entail, he was a bad guy, Elio. That's where he yeah. was hanging out with Zabisco yeah. and, yeah. Uh, and doing nasty that, yeah. things to people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love Kurt Henning because, I, I, I mean, I, like I said, I'm diehard AWA fan. You know, I grew up with Larry the Axe and, yes. uh, and watching that sort of deal. And I loved it. Uh, look at Goof. I remember how goofy Scott Hall looked. That, that was one of the funniest presentations <laughs> of a big dude I've ever seen. Even back then in the right. 80s, that was like, what the hell is they doing to this poor dude? <laughs> poor guy's going to become an alcoholic after. Oh, wait a minute. Wait wow. a minute. No, wow. okay. oh, that went too far. Um, <laughs> you know, um, I like that. You know, nah, I'm, I'm going to respectfully disagree with Kurt Henning as a grappler. Yeah. Um, I want to throw out Doug Williams. Does anyone have, besides me, have familiarity with the British wrestler Doug Williams? Came into Impact for quite a yeah. while in ROH Williams. as a straight-up British technical wrestler. I know I was on some shows with him in England, uh-huh. but uh, I it's, uh, but otherwise it's it's more kind of like we were talking about, kind of like the Impact days. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You remember him much, Elio? I know you. you I, I'm I remember sure his uh, running Impact. Yeah. Yeah. Where's Rick Serrano the third when you need him? Yes. Yeah, exactly. The, the one time when the one thing we talked about in wrestling that's older, that isn't last month, he could have answered. Okay. I bug him about that. You know, I'll I'll him never... Call him up for five minutes. Yeah, I really we'll should. Tell, we'll, tell, we'll talk about how uh, poor the how natural disasters is. are. Yeah. No, we'll talk about how poor the natural disasters are and he'll hang up. Yeah, That's actually what I'm going to do as we're talking. I'm going to say, <laughs> we're getting into something deep about natural disasters. <laughs> Click in onto the show. We need you. TJ, I'm anyway, there. Yeah, all right. <laughs> I'm actually doing it as we talk about it. Um, uh, okay, so I remember Doug Williams. Um, how about this? And I understand that ROH is going to, they're thinking of resurrecting this. And I'm not sure because I liked it at the time, but I think it's a data concept was the pure title. Do you guys remember the ROH pure title? I remember. Uh, I don't remember seeing I think, uh, that. We, uh, wasn't that, uh, oh, who's that guy? Um, the uh, last real man. Nigel. Oh, last real man. Silas Young. Silas Young. Didn't he have one of those pure matches, pure wrestling matches on ROH? The thing with the pure wrestling match, it was kind of a... It was a gimmick within a gimmick match in a way. Yeah, where, where there's there, there's no no uh, count. Like if you got what, the guy on the ropes, that's it. You had you got what I believe it was three. You got two times to do break holds, and then after that, yeah. the hold could not be broken no matter what you did. Okay. And it went X amount of time, and it was all the whole point of it was to promote pure wrestling. Right. Right. And uh, it had its day. But then it kind of just fell away. And it was a natural progression, I felt. You know, uh, I mean, Samoa Joe was a pure champion for a little bit. Uh, who's the British guy? I was going to talk about him next. Nigel McGuinness. He was uh, the pure champion for a while. Uh, I believe Doug Williams, I think, held it for a little while. Um, but it was something that kind of died out because I don't think fans, I don't know, it had its moment. Like, there was, I remember watching it, enjoying it. And not really giving a shit that it stopped. So I'm not sure what that tells you. But now <laughs> ROH is talking about reviving this title. They are thinking of reintroducing a pure wrestling match. Have they started uh, taping new shows? or are they? No, still... they're still looking. They're, they're going to be starting in the next couple of weeks. Same as MLW. They're still all looking for venues that will let them uh, do their shows in. But do you guys think a concept like that it would work again? Or is that kind of like kind of had its day? 
Should it be just the maybe the occasional match that might pop up? Or do we really need a division where there's a weekly or monthly defense of a title like that? Well, I mean, and I don't, I don't follow ROH too much, but mm -hmm. I would say that, I mean, if they're thinking of it, then to me, there must be some reason, whether it's that they believe they have the talent uh, or it could be just, you know, what's old becomes new again. So let's give it another shot and, and see what happens. It's like NWA power. Uh, that was a uh, hot. That was hot for like a while uh, when it started up. Right. Like everyone was like really into it. Because it's kind of more like a throwback kind of style yeah. show. Mm -hmm. And has well, it kind of died down now, or is it still? Well, they've been talking about like they've kind of announced that they're going to do this. But the thing is, I don't get it because they don't seem to have a lot of wrestlers who are really into that style. And I've got to say that ROH hasn't exactly been, I would say this is the weakest they've ever been in the last, in all their, the last three years have been pretty weak. Me, you know, me and Elliot yeah. would tell you watching their show became like a drag. Uh, some of their choices as champions. Like, like, that, that magazine style was okay for a few weeks. And then yeah. after a while, it got to be the same thing. Repetitive right. every week. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm writing right now that there's a natural disasters debate. <laughs> 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 if he comes on, this will be the this will be the. <laughs> I totally messed around with uh, my friend. I'm, I'm like I put my top five wrestlers. Tug so I wrote tugboat. Sorry, I messed around. I was messing around with my friend. I just like put my five, top five yeah. wrestlers. I put tugboat, typhoon, earthquake, and shark bastard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it the? Uh, I just went to, I, I want to see if he would catch on to that. He wrote, hey, what's up? Can't talk, but I can message. So I wrote, we are in a heated natural disasters debate going on Zoom right now. <laughs> oh, if he, he's going to be so pissed if he looks on. <laughs> and we just make fun of natural disasters. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, back to grapplers. Um, okay, so, uh, okay, let, uh, let's We're talk. Let's get into Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle. Get into Kurt, Kurt Angle. Angle. Now, I, it's really funny because Kurt Angle is an uh, Olympic wrestler. Yep. Uh, he is legit uh, a mat wrestler. But I really, just watching the body of his work, I always felt he was a, more of a professional wrestler that got presented than a mat wrestler being a professional wrestler. He just seemed to fit right in. Um, if you never told me he was an Olympic wrestler, I would just would have thought, oh, he's one of those dudes who does like mat style. You know what I mean? He, yeah. he just incorporated so much wrestling into his repertoire and made it look so seamless that he didn't have to rely on that. <laughs> oh, sorry, his answer is, damn, sorry, just state for me they are the best. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> Tune in to Saturday's episode of WPOV where Rick goes off, <laughs> off about yeah. not being able to join us. Yes, no kidding. Um, uh, so, Andy. Do you think my statement here is a little off, or did you see him more, way more as a gra Matt grappling type of wrestler? And what did you think of uh, Kurt Angle? Uh, first of all, I love Kurt Angle, uh, one of the best. Mm -hmm. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I was very fortunate to have been in the ring with him a few times uh, in Stamford, Connecticut, uh, when he was training. And at the time, I mean, that, that was really before he had made uh, like a t TV debut or anything like that. That was at one of uh, Dory Funk's Funk and Dojos. 
Um, I think there's, there's a lot of validity to what you're saying, but I also think that it helped just the fact that he was an Olympic wrestler. He was a gold medalist, mm -hmm. one, you know, with the broken freaking neck. Um, that just gave him that much more credibility. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you knew that anything, anything he did, Matt wrestling style wise, you knew he knew what he was doing. There was a purpose to, to this hold, to, to bending the leg this way, to doing whatever. Uh, I think just the fact that him being an Olympic athlete, being a wrestler, all of a sudden gave even more credence to uh, the ankle lock versus say, like, if I was going to do it, I'm just, you know, yeah. Jabroni Andy Anderson doing an ankle lock versus, oh, well, the lone wolf Jabroni Anderson. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> here's, gold, here's gold medal Olympic athlete Kurt Angle doing it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it's there. And this might even go to, to what I, what I spoke to earlier about, you know, the presentation, the package and everything was with Kurt was, you know, how, how he got it, like the entertainment factor of professional wrestling. And it's like, he could, he could incorporate some of the moves. He didn't have to do with them that often. I think, you know what, it might've even depended if, if he was, you know, cause again, if you're a baby face, Part of what you're supposed to do is you're supposed mm -hmm. to outsmart, outshine your, outshine your heel. So mm -hmm. then that's where he could pull out a lot more of the wrestling. And again, you knew he knew what he was doing, and it was more believable simply because it was Kurt Angle. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think you also hit on something really good there when you say about pulling out things as a babyface. The flip side was as a heel, he could use moves nobody really saw before and because of a legitimacy could yeah. make a wrestling hold seem like a devastating hurt hold that's fair. yeah absolutely yeah. absolutely i would agree with that for sure yeah excellent excellent okay so kurt henning uh kurt henning still thinking about <laughs> henning oh my goodness uh kurt angle we talked about uh before we go on to my the, my two current matt grapplers is there anyone else we should throw in this list Mm, once again, okay, Shelton Benjamin. Once again, I think the flash outdoes his Matt grappling things. You know, he had had a great, tremendous career as a Matt wrestler. But once again, had you never had I not known that and seen the way he wrestles, I would never have guessed he was a Matt wrestler. And go with the Alberta flavor. I, I think you could probably say something similar for Tyson Kidd. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. I mean, he you know, outstanding wrestler, amazing talent. But I mean. Uh, you know, and, and he could, sh and he could show it when he had to, mm -hmm. but I think there was still kind of that, that more of the, the pro wrestling side to him than, uh, than the Matt wrestler. But I mean, it was definitely there, especially yeah. for the heart dungeon. And let's face it for every person who does have a solid Matt thing and tries to, who is a great Matt wrestler, doesn't necessarily mean they ever translate, uh, to fans. And a great example we brought up was Brad Reagan's, um, yeah. I, re I can remember when I said right when you said like because <laughs> I know the name and yeah. I just never really saw much of his stuff. That's the funny part. You probably have. The thing is, I'm sure we've seen tons of Brad Reagan's matches. We've oh. heard the name twenty, but none of us can remember the dude because him, the person, the character, the sizzle the, did the, nothing. The, yeah, you oh, know, yeah. it stood out as nothing. Yet his work was awesome. I mean, you could turn on any Brad Reagan's match and you would be entertained. 
but not entertained enough to remember his face or ask for his yeah. autograph. And you know what? I have to I have to bring up just because yeah. I brought him up earlier and we're talking about AWA, we're talking about Vern Gagne. Mm-hmm. And and guys where it doesn't lend to the style of wrestling. It's simply because yes. he's one of my favorites. The Iron Sheik. Yes. I mean, yes. you know, former also, you know, Olympic coach, Olympic athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, probably one of the one of the best, probably one of the most devastating guys that could, you know, at least back in the day. Mm-hmm. But as as a heel from Iran, mm-hmm. you know, it's that's not what it was about. No. But having said that though. When he went to go put something on, you know, when he go put a hold on, kind of like how you were talking about with Kurt, mm-hmm. you know, as a heel, you know, he could put some stuff on that would, he could make out to be, you know, devastating and, you know, potentially match ending. Well, you know, you know how, how, uh, he's such an interesting character, the Iron Sheik as a wrestler. <laughs> Definitely had these like things about him, very almost incorporate stuff you could say almost. He almost had that hard style, and yet he could yeah. also wrestle where you thought, he's not really doing much in there, you know, except being a character, right? And, and he didn't need to. Yeah, he didn't need to. But none of us made fun of it. We all just accepted it. Yeah. I mean, I have a friend, Andy. I got to tell you, okay, man. Yeah. Every year on my birthday, this idiot friend of mine sends me this fucking meme of the Iron Sheik swearing. <laughs> and, and it ends up on my wall where my, my in-laws see it and family members are like, who is this jerk? And they're all <laughs> Yeah, that's how much it, this guy is. It, it took it took me a moment. <laughs> Wait, that's you, Andy Anderson. You said me that for the last four years straight. That's one of my favorite, <laughs> that's one of my favorite birthday memes to send. Anyway. I know I've seen you send it to other people too. Every year, my wife cringes until I tell her it's you. Then she kind of gives I, you this. I, you're telling me this. You're, you're telling a story. I'm like, this is cool. Like, what the hell? Like, who's doing this? I'm like, oh wait. A <laughs> So I had to throw that Mr. in. Mr. T. James Logan, pleasure <laughs> for me to wish you happy birthday on your birthday. You are number one wrestling POV jabroni. Accept that Elio Cannoli. I'd like to take the Elio Cannoli. I'd like to put him in the camel clutch and squeeze on his neck, break his back, make him humble. Yeah! I'll pay for that, Sheik. I will pay for that. <laughs> Thank you. I'll pay, I'll pay Sheik Andy for that one, too. <laughs> Thank you. Sheik Anderson, the Ayatollah, Adnan Al-Waziri. Pleasure for me. Come to your show in the, the wrestling capital, the Alberta, Canada. Thank you. Have a good day. Peace. Um, I can hardly wait till you watch this show back and just see the look on your face as I'm getting into that story, and you're kind of like... <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> Sorry, fans. It, yes, it was Andy Anderson who has sent me that same uh, uh, four straight years in a row on my birthday. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, and my mother-in-law every year is like, "Who is swearing on your?" <laughs> well, now you can. Now you can crazy show them this, show them this video. Yes. Pull up this. Pull up this episode. Yeah, here. Watch this little section. That'll explain perfectly. Do you think there's any universe where I'm showing my mother on the show? This <laughs> that's, fair. <laughs> that's, that's fair. Not going to happen. I would be sending her the chic thing way before she ever watches the show. So, anyhow, uh, we digress. Back to your regular yeah. schedule program. So, so yes, Brad Redigans was my example. I'm sure they're like Dave Taylor. There's another guy who I felt yeah. did this thing, could not connect. I bet you they're as much as wrestlers and guys who are hardcore fans could remember it. There's probably a ton of people who could remember uh, William Regal, but could not tell you anything about Dave Taylor, despite the fact they wrestled together 
how many years? Yeah. Right? They were the Blue Bloods, weren't they? Is that what they? Yep, were the Blue Bloods. Bloods. Yeah. Triple H so, was part of them too. Was well uh, for when he was John Paul Levesque for a while. Was he? Was was that, say, that's the WWF version though of it. No, no that's in no, WCW. No. Before because he, he was never yeah. John Paul Levesque in WCW. He was. Uh, Terrorizing, stupid terrorizing. terrorizing, and then. But what he, about uh, Bobby Eaton? Because there's Bobby Eaton at one point was. That's TV. right, Bobby Eaton. What a ridiculous! Yeah. There's no, a ridiculous no, idea. Sir Robert Eaton of Earl. Yeah. Sir Robert Eaton of Earl. <laughs> I said <Eaton> corrected. <laughs> Talk about a ridiculous idea of taking somebody. <laughs> but then again, isn't it, that's one we almost could do a whole thing of wrestlers like that playing ridiculous roles that are nothing. That to would do be with fun. Them. We, that's gonna def okay. That's a topic we're writing down because I yeah I think there's a ton of wrestlers who played like stuff like uh, like George the Animal Steel who was a school teacher yet played yeah. like a three year old simpleton you know like yeah. <laughs> so many people and the, and people bought it that's the weirdest <laughs> thing um, but uh, okay, back to grapplers back to grapplers uh, before we go uh, before I unleash my last two we're gonna talk about is have we got anyone else we should be thinking about anyone else who. Definitely, uh, I know we're going to miss a ton of them. Yeah, oh yeah, because people are watching right now and they're yelling at their screens going, you morons, you forgot this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy. And you know what? You're right. We Yes, we are morons. Don't you people <laughs> ever forget that. All right. Yeah. If you thought we did our homework before these shows, you're stupider. Than Anyways. Um, <laughs> all right, let's move to the last two guys and let's talk about why or why. Well, let's face it, they work, okay? These two next names are their top guys right now in their respective companies. They're doing a style that no one else does. And it's a style that if you told a lot of people, hey, check this out, describing it would be weird. People, if you told other wrestlers that this would be at the top of any card, they would look at you like you're nuts. And yet it's working. And first we're gonna start, uh, we're gonna head over to New Japan and talk about Zack Sabre Jr. Okay? Now he is right now probably the ultimate of the wrestling British style of grappling. Okay, if you've seen one of his matches, they are unlike any match you'll see on the rest of New Japan cards. And New Japan cards will have everything on them. They'll have comedy. They'll have things. Yeah. Yet, what he does really sticks out. What he does, many wrestlers tell you, like uh, Andy said, you know, it's like a day off. And yet, he makes every wrestler look greater, and he makes himself look great. And that's such a key thing, is he not only makes himself look unique, but he makes every wrestler he gets in there with look like a stronger, better grappler. Why does that work? Andy, why does, why does Zack Sabre Jr. work? Well, I'll be honest with you because I don't really watch much New Japan, so it's hard for me mm -hmm. to speak directly to that. Okay. But at least, at least from, from what you're telling me, um, mm -hmm. again, I'll go back to you know, right packaging, right presentation, right person. Because if what he's if he's doing this style, excuse me, if he's doing the style and making it believable enough, mm -hmm. making it entertaining enough, and if you know, and in, I'm sorry, but in New Japan, mm -hmm. you know, he's going to be working with talent, so he's not working yep. with broomsticks. No. So you know that lends back to what I said earlier about uh, someone that can you know it, it's it takes. It takes two to make the dance work in professional wrestling, or at least mm -hmm. two. And if he's working with you know that much talent, it's it's almost how do I say it? It I would say it's almost on the other person to to fail to mess it up mm -hmm. 
that it's not going to work because if he's if he's that good, mm-hmm. you know, if you're even if you're having an off night, it's like okay, stop thinking, just shut everything down, just go with it. And it sounds like he'd be able to kind of carry you through and work you through a match and make it make it make it work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it's well, one of the I, things. I'm sorry. Right. No, no, no. I just say it's tough for me because I mean, like I said, like I, yeah. I, I you know, I'm not overly familiar with the work. Okay. It's just, just the idea, like, like I said, I'm just going off of, of what you're telling me, and and for him to make the style work, then that's got to be a testament to what he's doing. Mm-hmm. how he does it and how he's being put uh how he's being booked to present it wpov global fans this is a gentleman elio canella reminding you to tune into wpov global where we will once again scan the globe for the best in professional wrestling wpov global don't you dare miss it what i'd like to have right now is for all you quarantined social media using YouTube commenting, keyboard warriors, to keep the noise down, while, while I, show I show you who brings, brings the best, best in wrestling, wrestling podcasts. podcasts. Hit, Hit the, the music. music. things you said for sure that just caught my eye was this and for the for the last move like 10 years now i have gone i've been always been privy to go backstage i've seen uh, guys practicing wrestling beforehand i've been to wrestling schools i see a lot of stuff from different positions and there have been a gazillion times where i've had to like pretend not to notice that and if i notice it sometimes i'm sure other people notice it the thing about zach saber jr he does all this intricate stuff and yet you cannot point out any mistakes during those matches. There's not one time where you're like, oh, that doesn't really look believable or that doesn't look right. Uh, a lot of his success is he makes everything he's doing, no matter how ridiculous the idea, because that's part of the fun part about British style wrestling. If you were to stop and really think about it in a critical way, none of that shit would work. <laughs> Most of it looks pretty uh, wacky, but a heck a lot of that's locks and things just would not work in the real world. But they make it look like it would work. In, in the realm of a thing where you start off a match with a lockup, where you're going to throw somebody against the ropes. Hey, I, mean, I like how you got to run mean, and bounce back off the ropes <laughs> if somebody throws you. I can't stop. <laughs> it's uh, the Let's not even get into the Irish whip debate. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think one of the biggest things about him is he makes it look like he doesn't slip up ever. There's not one time... Uh, that you could look at one of his matches where you're like, oh, that doesn't look exactly right, or I can see where he's really holding back. He manages to make it snug enough to look like it's brutal, but tight enough that the actual wrestler doesn't really, you know, he can yeah. go with it and keep going yeah. with it. As much that uh, I'm not a fan of Zack Sabre, and, and whenever he, he, one of his matches on my screen, just my eyes are glued to the screen watching. Yeah, you, like the guy's, his character is a total... F and A hole, like you do. Yeah, not like is like Braun Strowman coming out over there. Is that what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> the Strowman Express. Um, you know what? I guess one person we forgot, and sorry, Andy, once again to throw a, a new Japan guy, but if you're going to mention Zack Saber Jr., 
Minoru Suzuki is uh, definitely another another brutal um, grappler type guy who tends to throw in a lot of vicious looking things. Um, you the know, funny part, I, sorry. Oh no, no, go ahead. I just, I literally just, I started thinking out loud because I thought of like yeah. one or two guys that we probably should kind of go back and touch. We will, we will, we'll get there. We got the time. Yeah, yeah, now, yeah. No. The funny part about Minoru Suzuki, uh, just in this position, and I mean, it's going to be great when, and hopefully it happens within the next year or two before Suzuki gets too old. Cause I mean, the guy just, the guy just hit 50, 51 this year. And at his style of wrestling, he's going to have to slow down because he's playing the ultimate horrible machine that destroys people. And he's so angry. Yeah, such an angry man. Um, <laughs> angry. The hilarious part is his stable includes Zack Sabre Jr. So it's going to be awesome when they eventually – I mean, they, they actually tag together now, Andy, and they're like a tag team that just puts people in knots constantly. I was just say that sounds like that would be an unbeatable combination. They really are. But there is obviously going to be a day because they're both also egotistical assholes. There's going to be a day where uh, <clears throat> Zack isn't going to want to be the underdog anymore, the lower yeah, guy on the total fiddle. Fiddle. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. eventually that's going to happen. So Suzuki, he's another guy who, uh, and his style is unique because, well, Zach is strictly very uh, British um, grapple style. Um, I'd almost say that Suzuki would be what you would call Japanese grapple style because his is not quite North American, not quite British, uh, but it has elements of both. And it also has a flair of Japanese in it where he, he uses a lot of stuff that's MMA inspired also, you know? So he's a whole different kind of thing too. And uh, so I, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about him because here's a guy who actually is a legitimate main eventer. Uh, You can put him on a main event show in new Japan and people won't go like, why the hell is he up there? Yeah. He's a guy who could slide into that role. Now, you, there's a few people you've, you uh, remember that I forgot. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll go two here. And, then, yep. and I think two of the two of our favorites. One, because I'm kind of curious to see where we throw him based on our mm-hmm. kind of our pro wrestling. Uh, the, is, late, okay. great, the late, great Eddie Guerrero. Going to have to say wrestler all the way. Okay. Uh, his flash, he had such a great flash. Yeah. Um, he's what real, he's uh, what wrestlers kind of achieved to because it didn't matter his background. He incorporated in to make himself a more flashier wrestling. I, 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 he could grapple. Yes. yes. By all means, but I would never put him in okay. the category of his grapple. Okay. Okay. And, and, and how could we not talk about someone who's known as the man of a thousand holds? <sighs> Damn it. Dean yes. Malenko. How could we not Dean Malenko? There's a grappler. Yes. There's a grappler. 100% a grappler. And unfortunately, that may have been his downfall. Because there's a guy who should have had a much better career. And we can say, oh, yeah, he's respected and some of us remember. But let's face it. He never got to be in the position of a the main of event. And main people around. On the one, the one list I have here, he's, they have him uh, number four. And number four. Now, you know what, Elio? Read your little list. I was going to say, Elio, you got this list here and you're keeping your mouth shut. We should find yeah. out what's going on here. Well, this one, okay, the, the one the one I have is a tough point, but that's like from 2012, Rafa Bleacher reports. Okay, who else, okay. Who else you got there? So number one is the one that we never talk about. Okay, okay next. Number two is Dynamite Kid. Oh, yeah, we've already three, talked about him. Three is Daniel Bryan. Yeah, talked about him. Four is Dean Malenko. Okay, yeah. Number five is Kurt Angle. Yeah. yeah. Six is Bret Hart. Bret Hart, let's talk about that one right now. 
once again, in my book, Sandy, this is a guy like Kurt Henning who yeah. could take some grappling aspects and put it in a package to be a better wrestler. Yeah. And I would call him a technical wrestler, but yeah. I by no means call him a grappler. I will agree. I will agree. Uh, number seven is Bob Backlund. Ooh, a bit before my time. Okay. You want to weigh in? Backlund. Yeah. And actually, I thought about Backlund earlier when you were first talking about Vern Gagne. Mm-hmm. Because that, to me, was a similar vein where he was like that wrestler's wrestler. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was, you know, and again, like that kind of amateur style. But I think he was at a point, you know, like that's at that point when they transitioned from Bob Backlund, uh, you know, obviously through the Iron Sheik to, to Hulk Hogan. Mm-hmm. You know, that was kind of like the, you know, that, that's kind of like the death knell, kind of the beginning of the end there for the AWA. Mm-hmm. Because I think you know, with Vern's, Vern, yeah, and Vern's Vern's thought process, Vern's style with like that kind of wrestling, and like Bob Backlund, like that's like legitimate wrestling mm-hmm. champion. And then when you go on to Hulk Hogan, who's the larger than life superhero cartoon character mm-hmm. that isn't that, I think that you know that kind of. Right there, that's where we're saying, okay, well, this is where the wrestling business is going. Right. And this is and, the transition. You know, yeah. And Vern, you know, you could, you, it's, it's very easy to believe that if Vern had Bob Backlund, it's like, okay, Bob Backlund is our champion. Yeah. No kidding. Yes. Yeah. Like that would be like, that'd be kind of like the ultimate uh, Vern guy. And, and so we're talking about this, and I, I think I already know the answer, but just because we're talking about the yeah. AWA and you, you and I are yeah. AWA guys, uh, Nick Bockwinkle, we just put him as a, He's not a, a grappler. I actually thought of him in my mind earlier. Okay. Yep. Tremendously gifted man who you like, come on. You, everyone knows Nick Bockwinkle is my all time favorite wrestler. Yeah. Yep. There's yep. nobody yep. even close to me. Uh, but even I could say he was a wrestler's wrestler. He incorporated yep. a lot of things to make a package, but he was not, not a grappler and he wouldn't actually grapple per se a lot. He would pull yep. out some of the things yep. and his character tended to be either too arrogant to do anything unless he had to, or too much of a jerk to try and do something. No, that's fair. If anything, to me, I think part of it was just getting that mention out there that, yeah. you know, because like, again, there's guys, you know, we're going through, oh, I can't think of anybody. Well, while we're thinking yeah. about Malenko, we think about, and it just, just to the, the acknowledgement. And I think uh, worth a, worth a second acknowledgement again, as we're kind of going AWA and mm-hmm. is Billy Robinson. Just because yes. I know, and I know you mentioned him earlier. Yep. But again, but I didn't really touch on it. No, no. And, and one of the, you know, one of the best, but not is he a grappler or wrestler. I'm going to say grappler. I, I was going to say grappler. And, yeah. and I think it's just almost so much like this serious grappler there that it wasn't that even like, whether it's a heel or a face, the, the, the personality, that extra cell, mm-hmm. you know, like he didn't, he didn't have that same kind of cockiness that like Nick Bockwinkel had. Otherwise yeah. it's like, okay, well I could see Vern making Billy Robinson a champion. Well, it's sort of like Billy Robinson is one of those guys like uh, Malenko and Reagans whose style, unfortunately, was their detriment. A little too yeah. much to the grappling side for people to latch on to. For the mainstream, yeah. Yeah. Um, I got two things I want to really quickly say about Bob Backlund. I don't want to ask you, Andy, okay? okay? okay. Two things. There's two things that pop up in my head about whenever anybody says Bob Backlund, okay? And it isn't that ridiculous crap where he was running around to be voted and wearing the tie stuff, yeah. okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Number one. Him grabbing Hulk Hogan the one night and going, oh, it's okay. He's good now. He's good now. <laughs> to convince everyone that Hulk Hogan was now a face. For me, one I, of don't, those... I don't know if I heard that. 
Yes, it was the first time Hulk Hogan had come back to the WWF. Yeah. People had only had known him as a bad guy. When he came he in brought, with Freddie Blassie. Yeah, he comes yeah. out in this match to help Bachwing, uh, to help um, Backland. Backland. And the crowd isn't quite sure. So Backlund grabs Hulk, and you can probably find this on YouTube, puts his hand up and goes, no, it's okay. He's good now. He's good now. I may have to look for that. I don't think I've heard of him. (laughs) Wow. Okay. But there's only one other thing I'm sorry that is more ridiculous than I could think of for Bob Backlund is what the hell was the cross-faced chicken wing? That is the most ridiculous freaking move. That's right up there with the abdominal stretch, like two useless kind of – I can't even suspend my belief that much to even think that – I'm sorry. That was one of the most ridiculous holds I've ever seen. I know there's people, wrestlers, who use it now, and they, they've modified it so it does look like something. Yeah. But the way he put it on was like, I'm yeah, sorry. So you just loose. turned your head, it fell off. Yes. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> sorry, sorry to trash Bob back. The great, good wrestler. Just he's good now. He's good. yeah. I, don't I, think, think I think I found that video. <laughs> Send it to Eddie. Okay. <laughs> I, I think I'm not sure if it's the right one. It's from like January third, eighty four. Yes, that would probably be the one. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that would that would have been a couple of weeks before he won the title. Then yeah. Wow. So, so that's awesome. Okay. Uh, anyone else we can think of before we go into the last person uh, I want to talk about? People we should mention. Um, uh, you know what? Just, and again, uh, Western Canadian flavor. And because yeah. I mentioned Billy Robinson, yes, uh, I haven't got to see a lot of his work kind of firsthand. Mm-hmm. But Davey Boy Smith Jr., Harry Smith. Okay, Davey Boy Smith Because he seems like he's got a lot more kind of like Matt yeah. Wrestler. To be honest, you know, if you had said that, asked me uh, four years ago, five yeah. years ago, I would have said Wrestler. Yeah. Didn't he, have that, didn't he have that right. one match in MLW? Uh, that one match where they took out the they removed. Yes. Ropes. Who did he wrestle? Who was that? He was wrestling for that. Oh, uh, I can't remember who that was. Was uh, Tom? Uh, uh, oh, wait, uh, Garini. Dominic Garini. Oh no, Dominic Garini, the judo guy. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's who I think. That's who he was. Uh, yeah, that's who he fought. Yeah, David yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, however, um, really, the last four or five years, uh, Harry has really gone into lots of MMA. Yeah. Uh, his work in New Japan, I mean, he would wrestle with Lance Archer and Archer would do all the monster stuff while he would kind of do some monster stuff, but more leaning towards being a, a wrestling machine. Yeah. You know, um, he's really, that's such a weird one now because like four years ago, I remember seeing him wrestle when he first was wrestling on shows with you, Andy, and places yeah. like this. I remember interviewing him and saying to him, you know, I am blown away because I never saw you before. All I ever saw you was in WWE where you were the setup man. You were yeah. the guy who took the shots and then you set up the little guy to do his moves. Yeah, yeah. Now I go out here and you're doing all these like wrestling moves I would never have guessed you could do. And now flash forward five years and he's legitimately uh, doing MMA in, in Japan. He's lit- he's fighting a style that's very much very grappling style. Yeah. Yeah, And the, the coolest thing about that is he's one of those guys I think who can break through to be recognized as and not forgotten like some of these grapplers yeah. simply because of his size. Yes. He's a big boy. Yeah. Yeah. Men his, as big as him, you don't expect, we've been talking about this all through how when you're a large man, you know, you shouldn't be yeah. doing this kind of stuff. Uh, he has in the last year, I know become a vegan and trimmed down about 30 pounds of muscle weight yeah. and went into a very, uh, a style that's even a lot more fluid looking. So now he's, it's, I went, Oh man, what do, what do you, you know what? I'm going to make a distinction here, and I'm not going to say grappler, and I'm not going to say wrestler. I'm going to say he's made his own category. 
Ooh. That's pretty cool. I think that's pretty Fair cool. Enough. And yeah. I really hope that that catapults him into a much larger name because I know MLW loves him. I yeah. mean, uh, the fans in MLW, the one match they have wanted for so long was him and uh, Filthy Tom Lawler. Right. And uh, they haven't done that yet. And people want him more than anyone else to challenge Fatu for the uh, title. Interesting. So uh, we, what, would you, what would you say, Andy? Well, based on any, like, everything I kind of read and see off him, I, I kind of like your idea about kind of creating his own category. Um, I, I, you know, kind of shying away from that, I'd still probably go a little more of the Matt wrestler. I would have to say more so than, yeah. Part of me, if he so decided, I mean, if he decided to, because I mean, you know, he does his thing and he's, what's working for him is what's working for him. I think that if he came back to North, like mainstream North America, so if he came back mm -hmm. to like WWE for all intents mm -hmm. and purposes, uh, I think he would be one that would be able to kind of carve his own niche this time around. Mm -hmm. Having, you know, now he's older, he's more experienced. He's got this extremely unique style and skill set that he could probably make that work mm -hmm. in... This might be a rough comparison, but mm -hmm. I, from kind of what I've seen, what I've read, what I've heard, I could almost see him as like a kind of a, kind of like Brock. Thank you. That's who is with my head. I was thinking too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and I don't want to say, I mean, like Brock is his own unique entity. There's only one Brock. Mm -hmm. There'll only be ever like, but, but along those, like, just like, like, Big man, like yeah. I mean, in Brock's big presence. Mary. Yeah, but just, but just such a natural, credible, believable threat. Yep. That, you know, I think if they kind of unleashed him in a similar style, you know, it's a, it's ironic too because the one thing I really think he needs, and we've talked, me and Elio have talked about this, and and you know, and, and I've met Harry many times, and yep. uh, he's yep. a very nice guy. Um, he's a terrible promo. He is a terrible promo and I know he's working on it and it's gotten better, but the last time I seen him, it, it still comes up. I think he really needs a mouthpiece. He needs somebody to talk for him, to get him, to get people hating on him or liking yeah. him, but eventually it'll come through. But he's just like right now, the last time I seen him, he has the words, but you could tell like he's reading a script in his head. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah, yeah. He's still not. The, the, the delivery is not natural. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and I hate to say it just because of already making the comparison yep. with Brock, but in my head, it's like, man, if you put him with Paul Heyman. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, and, and, yeah. and you know what? I think you hit on the thing. He, what he has to do, uh, even if it isn't quite ready for, for WWE, um, I think he, he should sign on longer with MLW. I think he should take a legitimate run and have a championship run with the belt. He is credible enough. Uh, nobody else, to be honest, you know, the MLW has some really good wrestlers in there and they, they promote the hybrid style of all their matches, which is pretty cool. You yeah. know, they mix everything together. But no one except Davey Boy Smith Jr. looks like he could take on Fatu. Fatu looks like too much of a monster, but Davey Boy Smith Jr. looks like he could actually credibly fight yeah. and defeat Fatu. And I think that is a match a lot of people would want to see. So, uh Yeah. So I guess the last guy, you know who the last guy we're going to talk about is, and he's sort of the grappler flavor of the, the of the now, 
And it's sort of funny. I remember watching this guy, hearing about his name. I've seen a few promos from him. I remember watching uh, some independent U.S. shows. I can't remember. Was it maybe it's called Beyond Wrestling where they all, you don't even have a crowd. You just have people all around surrounding a ring, you know, banging on the thing. And it's, yeah, it's, it, and it's for the hardcore wrestler wrestlers. And this guy, Timothy Th- Thatcher, comes out. And I'm looking at him and I'm like, it's exciting and interesting, but nobody's, he's never going to go anywhere. This is so on WWE it's not even funny and it still is what he does is so far so far from anyone else in the WWE except maybe some of the guys who you wouldn't believe that he's fought before who've managed to forget like if you thought Orny Lorcan was anything but cool he was a lot cooler back when he was Biff Busick and used to fight right. uh, Timothy Thatcher um, but nobody else is doing that at all in the WWE and he's really carving a niche because for some reason, he has sold some. He sold a bill of goods that nobody wanted for so long, and now people are credibly buying it, and that's awesome. But why? Because he's not the most charismatic man. Yeah. He doesn't have the best speeches or promos, but something about Timothy Thatcher makes you really believe he's going to go in there and slap some people around, put some holds on them, and make them cry. I think. I think. I think it's a whole presentation. The way, they, the way he's presented to the fans. Okay. Um, right. What about it? What about it screams? Is it reality? Is it... I, I'm going to let Elio do more of the speaking here. Because I think... That, okay. I think, I think uh, it's just... Yeah, it's more the wrestling. Because he he makes you believe that he's actually going to hurt the guy. Like, with mm-hmm. all these holds that he, put, that he puts on his opponents. Yeah. There's just the way he pre- they present him as his style. Just... it. I don't know. It's like whoever steps in the ring with him has entered into the Timothy Thatcher zone of uh, reality. I, I, I've only heard it. I only ever heard his name, and I never really saw him until in LW. Then when I yes. started, when he first, uh, when he had first bashing in LW, then I started like noticing. And and the thing wow. I find amazing about him is take somebody like Rick Serrano the third. You know, Rick loves all these flashy wrestlers. Yeah. But he'll tell you every time Timothy Thatcher's on, he's like, I freaking love that guy. I'm like, what? <laughs> the guy doesn't even have like flashy boots. What do you mean you love him? <laughs> and you see, I make I, I always take digs at him. And and, and I want I, we're gonna get this out right now. Okay, Andy. Barry Windham. Yeah. Where would you place him in the pantheon of wrestling? Would you think of him as one of the top wrestlers of all time? One of the one of the one of the greats, or is he just some hack nobody should remember? Because that's what uh, Rick thinks he is. Oh, no, no, I don't know what to say. One of the greats necessarily. I'd probably say one of the more underrated. Okay, that's what, what I meant by greats. Is I don't mean he did had the marquee thing. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But as a solid, legit wrestler, yeah, I think he deserved to be in the very top of that thing. You yeah. know. Uh, and it all stems from Rick when we're talking about the new four horsemen. He's like, well, who the hell was Barry Windham? Just some loser who never did stuff. And we're like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, coming from the natural disasters, number one fan. I think it's, you know. <laughs> Look at the source, fans. Look at the source. Okay. Well, you know what? Um, we, we've had some fun talking. And it's so funny because uh, for every person who tell you that grappling is boring, that this isn't why they watch wrestling, they'll sit and stop and watch. Uh, They'll watch some of the guys we talked about. They'll enthrall you with a whole different style. And uh, I think that's part of the great thing about wrestling. If it was everybody was the same and everyone had the same kind of looks and moves, I'm pretty sure we'd get tired of it after a while. Looking at you, MMA. Um, But uh, (laughs) 
the fact that there could be so many different things and so many flavors makes wrestling sort of this rich tapestry of, of just something great that we all like to be to, to even just glimpse at uh, from, from guys like me who have grown up watching it to guys like Andy who've, who've watched it and became part of that world. It, it's, it's that whole different thing there. It would lose something to take some of this stuff away. I think if there were no grapplers, if there was no flash, if any of it, all of it, the craziness, everything rolled into one makes wrestling wrestling. And except for maybe those backyard guys and the light tubes and the tacks and all that crap, I think other than that, wrestling is uh, pretty cool the way it is. So I want to thank you guys for uh, joining me this week. Andy, always a pleasure having you on. Always a pleasure um, to be here. And uh, Elio, wow, you said more than three sentences this quarantine. <laughs> this is going to be a record. Now, Andy, before I let you go, did you yes. see uh, the top uh, the PWI put out the 200 or 500 list. 500? Uh, yes. <laughs> Did you see any of the, the top five rankings? I just saw, I, I, I saw on uh, some of the wrestling sites who number one was. Did you disagree or agree? <laughs> uh, I disagree. And why did you disagree with it? Why do I disagree? Um, I don't know. He just doesn't. I, first, first and foremost, you know, I, I got to make sure I, I mm -hmm. you know, say this. Okay, look, we know it's a work, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Da, 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 da. Um, just for the the matches that he's the quality of the, matches, the quality of matches that he's done, what he's the body of work in the past year. Um, I I really don't see it. I don't okay. see it at all. Like, um, to me, like, you know, like, I don't know if you ever say, who would you put number one? And again, like, I don't watch as much wrestling yep. as I used to, but like, to me, like, I would still think that AJ Styles would be ahead of, of okay. John Okay. Okay. Um, now, I just want to say uh, for the fans out there to understand a few things about the, the top 500. Least, yeah. Okay? Especially when it comes to the top 20. Okay. Uh, first of all, First and foremost, it's a political thing, okay? Um, a lot of the people that are chosen on there, even from the beginning, they tell you, from the beginning of the days back when they used to say everything, you know, there was kayfabe and there was, yeah. uh, nobody knew that uh, it was all a work. Even back then, you had to understand it's a political thing, okay? Uh, champions of certain companies gives you an automatic higher jump in, the, in a ranking than others, just because you're simply a champion of certain things. Um, I got a, I was listening to the guys on uh, POV and they were like, Rush, who the hell is Rush? Why is he on this list? Well, I was actually, I checked. I was, yeah, actually, yeah, I was actually yelling at, at them. I was like, it's <laughs> Rush. Yeah, but even then, even then, um, you know what? If you're looking at the list, that's the way it's programmed as a political type thing, recognizing wrestling as a whole. Sure, if you want to be WWE fanboys, you're going to list all the top WWE guys. But uh, the fact that you not even not know who the ROH champion who brought in the most viewers during his thing last year was, the fact that you want to put Braun Strowman over that champion is kind of sad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, Champions are going to be put on there because automatic rankings for champions. Okay. Uh, there's also the fact, any way you look at it, PWI does not have a working relationship with the WWE. 
So, of course, if they can squeeze somebody in as their number one guy who isn't a WWE guy, then they know they're going to have pictures with him holding their plaque. Because you know there's no way in hell if Adam Cole had won it that WWE would allow him ever to hold the yeah. plaque. Yeah, sorry. Okay, there wrestling. you go. There's another one that I would have had ahead of John Moxley. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. Um, when I looked at it myself, taking their strictures, taking their kind of fantasy guidelines, I got why John Moxley was number one. Okay. He was number one because his year as AEW champion was kind of dominant. From the moment he took the belt, even if his matches weren't the greatest, there was really nobody who touched him. Okay. There was the fact that he represented a world championship. As much as Adam Cole is probably twice the wrestler he is, he's the NXT champion, which is not even a recognized world championship. So once again, going by their fantasy booking, of course. I mean, I'm surprised they listed him above Drew McIntyre or any of the other universal champions. You know? can, can I, let me throw something, sorry, yep. let me interrupt, throw something at you. And again, yep. for everybody watching, keep in mind, it's a yep. work, we get it's a work. Yes. And, uh, but okay, so John Moxley, dominant year as champion. Yep. But outside of Chris Jericho, mm -hmm. the caliber of opposition, mm -hmm. would you put that up there versus I almost wouldn't except he also did a whole bunch of new Japan matches against guys you may not know but who are okay. recognized okay okay yeah and that's also a thing that brought his stock up I mean okay. he is still currently the new Japan United States champion mm -hmm. right most people seem to forget that but he actually yeah, yeah. still holds that title um yeah um no there's no way that uh, I mean yeah AJ Styles and Adam Cole twice the wrestlers of him yeah. I get that. I mean, I would put AJ Styles ahead of Adam Cole. I'm sorry. AJ yep. Styles is, a, is a remarkable. I've seen him so many styles of matches, so many different things, so much. Yeah. Uh, the guy's got talent coming out of every part of him, but in their stricture of what their fantasy uh, booking, yeah, yeah. that's the only reason I could see that happening. Right. And, and I, and, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, I just gonna... <laughs> this is very Canadian. Canadian. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, like, and, and even for me suggesting, you know, styles are cold. Yeah. Again, knowing how things work, it's not like I'm, you know, I mean, I, I think they are better wrestlers than, yeah. than John Moxley regardless. Mm -hmm. But I'm not saying that as a fanboy. It's like, oh, well, these, it's just to me. No, no, I never said, I never yeah, meant like, you. Oh, no, I, yeah, I just meant like, but like the quality of matches, the quality yeah. of opposition is to me is still better than mm -hmm. over, like, their bodies of work is still stronger to me than John and, Moxley. And one of the problems with WWE is um, if you look back, it's for that last year of 2019, right? Yeah. And you look at some of the champions, the WWE is horrible for this, okay? Is, yeah, they've got some better wrestlers and whatnot, but they also flog the shit. Like, if you're, a if you're the champion, you're facing that guy like four or five months before you get the next guy. You know, John Moxley had, has faced probably about for every, like, for every WWE champion who's gone through his match, rematch, rematch of a rematch, how many times is Randy Orton getting a shot, John Cena kind of bullshit, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's getting a new guy every single time, which kind of spreads out the look of his portfolio. You know what I mean? There's that aspect too. People forget that. You go look back at those guys. How many times did, uh, you know, so-and-so uh, fight so-and-so? Well, at least four or five over six yeah. months as main events. So, But I would still go back to you again about the the – quality and caliber yeah yeah I, I get that i get that i guess too is um like i said if adam cole was the universal champion last year 
I would totally say he would deserve to be ahead. Or if he had been the WWE world champion. But the NXT belt is a secondary yeah. belt. It yeah. really is. So that's like saying the U.S. champion is better than the world champion. Yeah. Maybe he's um, a better wrestler, but it's not the same thing. Yeah. I think at the end of the day, though, I mean, mm -hmm. we agree it's a subjective list. And at the yes, very least, very subjective list. As, as, it gets, as it gets people talking, as it's getting us talking. Yeah. And let's face it, uh, and it's also sort of a stroke for independent wrestlers because anywhere from like uh, probably 100 up is, is all, the next 400 is to, to give guys a, more of a hope that they're getting up there in the thing. And I guess this year they have women wrestlers, which they hadn't had before. Is that true? I don't know. I thought, no. didn't they do their own set? I, I thought they had their own uh, they, list. No, this year they're in the list. There are oh, female wrestlers oh, listed in the top 500. Like uh, quite a few of them, actually. Well, yeah, I know awesome. I know that Andy Anderson made the list, I believe, twice. <laughs> so it has to be pretty legit, actually. It has to be. What's the highest be. you made it on the list? Uh, I, I, uh, for some reason, I, I want to say it was either like 170-something or 240-something. That's bullshit, because if you weren't 168, I don't know what the hell. <laughs> right? <laughs> you got a backing of me. You got a backing of me, man. I got to go back and find those magazines now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Andy, we're going we're gonna to click off. That was just a little bit of bonus content. <laughs> um, we got some interesting stuff. Next week, we're going to be talking about wrestling schools. Uh, are they important? What are the difference between old schools and new schools of schools? Hopefully we'll get some guys on here who know a little bit about that. And uh, coming up in the upcoming weeks, you know what? Andy and me just came up with a good idea. I think we're going to have to do one somewhere down the line about wrestlers who are all just flash. And it, there's nothing wrong with that either, you know? Yep. Uh, th there's some guys who have made some great, uh, tremendous strides in wrestling who probably couldn't wrestle with shit. But you know what? They made a character that was awesome and that you're not going to forget. There you go. So... Uh, anything, anything you want to throw out there, Andy, before you, uh, uh, no, I'm going to do the usual plugs though. Uh, Twitter yeah, at Andy Anderson, PWA, uh, on the Instagram machine. I'm that guy TCB two, four, seven. So that's the letters. I M T H A T G U Y T C B two, four, seven. There's some wrestling stuff on there and I post videos of picking things up and putting them down. There's a lot of things. They're big things. They're rubber usually. All yes. right. <laughs> Elio. Big rubber things. <laughs> big rubber things. Use your imagination, wrestling fans. Elio, do our plugs. All right. So you can uh, find us as well. You can find uh, WPOV Global and WPOV on iHeartRadio, Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, and TuneIn and if you want to write to us, you can do that at on Facebook at Wrestling POV, WPOV Podcast, Twitter Wrestling POV, and Instagram Wrestling POV One. Excellent. And you know what, fans? We have T-shirts available. Look at uh, WW. Was it Pro Wrestling Tees? Pro Wrestling com backslash WPOV. That's right. We have four designs available. One of which is a global design. Uh, pick them up. Uh, all the money that goes in for our T-shirts helps with these shows. It, you know, uh, sure, we're using Zoom that's free, but there's a lot of other things that we have to pay for that go out there that, to promote this show, to get show on to other platforms and whatnot. Uh, anything you do, not only you get a cool T-shirt out of it, 
but you also help the show. And I'm still running a contest, probably will have uh, till the end of the year, where if you do buy yourself a t-shirt that, that is a global t-shirt, take a picture of it, send me it, and uh, you are set into uh, a lottery, and eventually we're going to pull out a person out of that lottery and let them join us on an episode of uh, WPOV Quarantine. Uh, you can sit there and make fun of Elio with us. You can have Andy make you cry. The lift is Maybe maybe Raven will do something inappropriate. Who knows? There you go. Girl has gas. No, I did not say that, Raven. I did not say that. You can discuss the merits. You can discuss the merits of the natural disasters one on one with Rick Serrano the third if he shows up. Dude, I'm trying to sell T-shirts here. No one is going to buy a T-shirt. But that's the incentive. <laughs> anyways fans uh thank you for tuning in we'll see you next week and uh we'll see you probably in a couple days on global so have yourselves a good night uh you know what uh elio say good night to the good people hey fans who to talk to y'all next week Peace.